0: You're listening to the Fire Trainers Podcast Season 4, Episode 13, published on November 29th, 2022. In this episode, we'll be talking to Chad Baus from Buckeye Firearms about who does constitutional carry or permitless carry really help. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Sit back, relax, and listen to this week's episode of the Firearm Trainers Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association, Visit their website at ftaprotect.com and learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and the competitive pricing. If you're a certified instructor, you can apply for FTA coverage. And remember, for listening to the podcast, you can get 10% off your policy by using promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by the team at Mountain Man Medical. Responsible fire instructors have trauma medical gear on the range and are trained to use it. Mountain Man Medical provides the highest quality name brand medical gear on the market at a guaranteed lowest price. Check out the Wind River Kit, especially designed for firearm instructors to have at the range. The Yellowstone is perfect to have on your belt or in your bag anywhere you go. Learn more at mountainmanmedical.com and scroll to the bottom and click on available discounts to learn how firearm instructors can save 15% off the already guaranteed lowest prices on the market. And don't forget to click on the training link to take the emergency trauma response video course for free. Get the right gear and the right training at the best price anywhere on MountainManMedical.com. We bring this podcast, sport the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Chad Baus from Buckeye Firearms. Welcome, Chad. Thanks for spending time with our listeners.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate the invitation. Robert.
0: Not a problem at all. I think we've got an important topic today. But before we jump into that. Can you give our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do in the firearm industry?
1: Sure. So uh, my name is Chad Bouse. Again, I am um, a board of directors member for Buckeye Firearms Association. We, um, well, I've been there since the very beginning of that organization, Um, have served in different capacities over the years, was secretary for 15 years, um, helped found our political action committee back in the day and um, I, my main role is editing the content that goes on our website, um, so that's my current function or my main role right now, but we've, I've kind of helped with in different areas in that regard over the years, and then I'm an NRA-certified firearms instructor. I have an um, instruction with a partner up here in Northwest Ohio called Northwest Self-Defense, and um, so love, love uh, instruction, teaching, bringing new people in. Um, both to um, the self defense and pistol shooting side, and also this weekend, I'm looking forward to taking a, a new hunter, a 17 year old um, neighbor, out to on his first deer hunt this weekend. So I do love sharing our passion with with others, and that's kind of all about me.
0: That is good, and it's uh, great to. Uh, pass it on to the next generation because uh i have no plans to go any place anytime soon but you realize the older you get the shorter the time you have uh, left and passing it on spending time with the younger generation is definitely worth it Uh,
1: yep
0: well chad um you me we're both ohio residents we remember june 13th is the day that ohio got their constitutional carry uh rights uh in 2022 one of the things i thought was really interesting one of the Articles he wrote on the Buckeye firearms website was how the constitutional carry helps, uh, and who, it, who it really helps by doing a, a review of the arrest records for people get, that were caught within, uh, your time frame uh, with having a concealed firearm uh, without a license basically, can you give us a little bit of background on what drove you to want to look into those numbers because it's it was one of those things that i hadn't seen anybody else really dive into uh to the depth that you've done uh previously and it really shocked me to go along and say this is this is something i think all instructors need to realize um about when it comes to constitutional carry it's not it's uh, it helps people more than it hurts yeah um so
1: the background you know we- every time there's a bill that's put forth, um, to try to recover some of our second amendment rights, we all know that we start hearing all of these doom and gloom prophecies about what's going to happen if we pass this law. Um, and, and so some of that's to be expected, but one of the things that was particularly just, um, frustrating to me, kind of cut me to the heart was hearing uh, claims that somehow our this proposed law to get permitless carry that it was going to be some sort of an extra threat to people of color. Um, and even certain Democrat legislature, legislators went right on the floor of the House and Senate to make those claims about the, the racist nature supposedly of, of Senate Bill 215. Um, and so that that is uh, one of the reasons that we um, started digging into arrest records because We kind of had an inkling and had a feeling and kind of knew that when we started digging into this, we were going to find out that is the opposite is going to be the case in in terms of who this law helps when it comes to who was getting arrested before the law was passed for unlawful concealed carry. And um, yeah, so that's what kind of the background was for us starting to dig into that.
0: Mm -hmm. And what were some of those facts that you came out from looking at all these arrest records?
1: Yeah. So the first thing, it it was very obvious. So we started, um, Joe Eaton and I, Joe Eaton is another volunteer with Buckeye Farms Association. I know you've had him on your show before talking about faster saves lives and schools. Mm -hmm. Um, Joe's from down in more in your neck of the woods in the state of Ohio. So we, we wound up looking uh, at Hamilton County. Their, their records were uh, pretty, pretty easy to, to navigate on their, on their website to be able to start looking at arrest records. And, um, so the, the, the first thing that really jumped out at us when when we were looking at these, because they would give, basically they would give name um, and they would give uh, race. And the, the funny thing about the system in Hamilton County, for whatever reason, I would just divide it into to people of color or non-white people and white people, because they don't have things broken down in terms of Hispanic or anything. They had two Asian people out of all the arrests the whole year long. So basically it was white, black, or two Asian people. So my guess is that we can combine all the so-called black into people of color. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, 86% of the people who were charged with some version of unlawful concealed carry in Hamilton County in 2021 were listed as black. But only 27 percent of the county's population is black. And if you even if you figure in all of, again, non-white population of Hamilton County, you only get to 36 percent. So we've got basically 36 percent of of Hamilton County is listed in their census records as non-white. And yet 86 percent of those who are being charged with unlawful concealed carry were non-white. That was, uh, it, it just popped out at us so fast when we started, started looking at those records.
0: Now, one of the things to uh, qualify the 86%, uh, that were getting charged with, it, these were people that did not have that were in legal possession of firearms. So they didn't have prior felonies and such, and they weren't committing any kind of crime besides being pulled over stopped or, or some, some other, um, uh, interaction with, uh, police officers. Correct.
1: Well, we looked at both. So that eighty six percent is going to cover both. Okay, that's going to cover a group of people who, yes, we're doing nothing else wrong. Besides maybe they had a busted taillight or something else, they get pulled over, and then at that point it's discovered that they're trying to exercise their Second Amendment rights, but they don't have an Ohio concealed handgun license. Okay, but the the eighty six percent also has a group of people who we found, and this is something that even even the news media who covered this never. Talked about the fact that the um, the other side of the coin is there were people in that group who were prohibited from carrying a firearm, but they were still found to be carrying. And so we had we had both groups in there. And obviously, you know, from the um, the permitless carry law doesn't change anything about who is allowed to carry if you or, or possession, right? So if you are under some type of disability and you are not prohibited by law from possessing a firearm before permitless carry passed. Nothing changed for after concealed carry passed in, in that regard. So that 86% covers both.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that's real interesting because when you go along and I heard the the inflammatory remarks, you know, by politicians trying to push uh push against it and such, they always make it sound as if people are gonna there's gonna be blood in the streets. You know, that's a famous yep. quote that they said. They never really go along and actually look at who it would actually help. Because right. in those numbers and, you know, with minorities not being able to slice and dice them any further, uh, you also have to realize that these are people that are out there trying to protect themselves, protect their families, um, and live a good life. Otherwise, and right. th- those are the, the, those are the pieces that they, that they overlook and when you put a permit permit. Uh, out there saying you got to apply for it you got to wait 45 days for it and and you have to you know come up with money to pay for it all these different uh, hurdles for it it sounds very quote unquote reasonable until we had a situation during lockdown here in Ohio to where all of a sudden the you know sh- the sheriff's department stopped all the sheriff's department stopped issuing concealed carry permits because they like you know we can't afford to have people come in here that are sick and get our deputies sick and we've got other things that we've got to be focused on besides issuing concealed carry permits and during the pandemic was also one of those times when it was kind of scary about you know the, the toilet paper uh, shortage and different uh, uh everybody was at home Pe- people weren't working people weren't getting paid uh so crime goes up and it's a time right. when it's when I should be able to go along, and defend myself, um, you know, good, honest citizens should be able to. But you really realize that if the government shut down, then they're preventing me from exercising my rights, preventing me from uh, keeping my family safe. And if the only thing that's preventing me from doing that is a piece of plastic, I should know, you know, you know, I've been arrested before, so I can't carry or I'm a perfectly good person. I should be able to carry. You know, it's it's as, it's as simple as that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I also, there's there's unfortunately when you put a permanent system into the whole thing, there's an economic component. Um, not everybody can afford to take it if they need to take time off work. Some people work weekends, whatever when the classes are. Not everybody can afford the time off work. Not everybody can afford to purchase the ammo. Not everybody can afford to pay for the class. Um, but and not everybody can afford the licensing fee, right? Mm-hmm. All those things start adding up, and yet, and and um, yet, those those folks absolutely everybody deserves the same right under under, under our constitution uh, to bear arms for their defense and security. And so, um, I, I think that I, I can tell you a personal anecdote of my wife's cousin. Um, he was adopted into our family. He's um, African American. He works in IT, and when he first was a young man and had a cheap old beater car. He would tell stories about every day he would drive to work and how often he would get stopped and his car would get tossed just on the way to work every day. Um, That did change somewhat when he finally had a car that didn't look the way his original car looked. But it's just, I can understand from hearing anecdotal stories like that, why we wind up with a situation where 86% of the people um, that were given an unlawful concealed carry charge of some type are are black or non-white people because there is a disparity in how who gets pulled over for what, and they might use the cross you you cross the yellow line or the turn signal or the uh, broken tail light or whatever, but it's you know I can I can tell you from anecdotal um, experience in my own family it does happen, and so that's why that that argument that this permitless carry law was going to somehow Hurt or be, it was being called a racist law, just um, was so offensive to me because I knew, you know, and then these statistics bear it out the opposite is actually true because there are going to be hundreds of people in Hamilton County alone that avoid these silly charges that are not doing anything else wrong except for trying to exercise their rights. And um, they were being charged all these years. It's going to be hundreds of people every year that are saved from that kind of uh, situation.
0: And you, and you go along and you brought the economic impact of taking off work of applying for your license, you know, paying for ammunition, the class, all that there is a humongous, uh, economic impact if somebody gets arrested for having a concealed weapon on them, because right. they're not given a ticket and said, Hey, show up in four weeks or when, whenever you have a chance, you know, stopped out at the police station, we'll be taking care of it. It ends up being one of those situations where they're in jail for a couple of days and know my work if you don't show up for, if you don't show up um after a couple of days or assume that you've abandoned the job and poof you know you're subsequently fired which then creates a whole nother economic down down uh, spin for you and those are all consequences of going along and having uh, a permanent permit system that everybody's supposed to have but at the same time you don't have uh the people that can't afford it can take the time off work. They've got vacation days. They've got all those uh, economic abilities to it. But if you're on the lower income side of things and you're working at a low income job, and, but you're still living in an area where you're afraid for your safety or your family's safety, uh, you know, taking what you or I would take uh, or would consider to be a very reasonable thing to do to go out, get your license and pay the money, that could be you know, a, a week's worth of groceries for them you know for the family and that's that's a tough um that's a that's a really tough uh, question to ask yourself you know do i do i get something to protect my my family you know a license or do i go along and feed them this week it's uh, not not a really good really good choice there
1: no and and i think when we get into some of the other statistics that we dug out um and we see that yeah a segment of that population all those people that were getting arrested Um, for unlawful concealed carry, Um, a surprising percentage of them also were already prohibited from carrying. But then we think about what we're talking or from even being in possession of a firearm, right? So, but then you think about the fact that maybe this isn't their first time that they got charged with this crime, but that crime is a felony. Unlawful concealed carry is a felony. Um, That means you're prohibited the next time, if you still want to protect your family from carrying again, could be something completely nonviolent. All you're doing is trying to protect yourself or your family and exercise your rights. Um, and you wound up getting a charge. Are you gonna stop doing that? If you're still living in the same area, you might, you know, be tempted to, to keep doing that because there's real threats out there greater than than getting charged with this. So um I I am thankful that we got this law passed. And I know I was really thankful to see that the data kind of bore out what my suspicions were that this was going to do the opposite of what some of its detractors were claiming it was going to do. And it was going to help um, some of the people that they were claiming it was going to hurt. And so, yeah, I think we're going to see some real benefits from that. But so that, that part of it was as far as the media kind of got with it. Unbeknownst to us, we had started processing this data and we processed it Because we're volunteers, it took us several months to go through every single arrest record for unlawful concealed carry in Hamilton County. Took us quite a while to do it um, because we're having to pull information off the website. It was literally hand entering on a spreadsheet because of the way that their system worked. You can't download a mass um, document, okay? And so, make it easy. Um, it <laughs> took us, yeah, no, they can't make it easy. So it took us a while. And in the meantime, um, the, the Cincinnati Inquirer did publish an article in August that at least observed this first part that this this part that I'm talking we've been talking about so far, that it was actually going to um prevent hundreds of arrests of particularly non-white or people of color in the state, in the whole state, but they looked at Hamilton County and Delaware County. And they found the same thing in both, both counties was going to be true. So, and then we, we went ahead and dug a little bit deeper, which I can get into as we go here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what were some of those other things that you dug, dug into deeper, uh, yeah. that the press didn't dig into?
1: Yeah, well, another thing, and I, I know why the press doesn't want to get into this one too much, because we're we're always told that we need one more gun control law, right? That's gonna that's gonna prevent um, the the crime that we see, and um, that's gonna prevent the the shooting, the you know illegal shootings, that type of thing. Um, and so another thing that jumped out at us when we looked at the Hamilton County data was that forty-one percent of the people who are charged with unlawful concealed carry were under a disability. So 41% of the people that were charged in in that county in 2021 were either a fugitive from justice or under an indictment or had been convicted of a felony offense of violence, might have been convicted of a drug possession or under an indictment for the same or abuse, might have been drug dependent or in danger of being drug dependent or a chronic alcoholic. These are all things medic- uh, under adjudication of mental incompetence. All those things can make you be um, under a disability in, in Ohio revised code where you're not allowed to be in possession of or acquire or carry or use a firearm. And when we looked at that, then we discovered, so 41% of these people, the law says you may not have a firearm and yet here they are doing it anyway, right? Some of those could be what we talked about earlier that they, it was a nonviolent situation, but they got pinched for trying to protect themselves and now they're back in the same boat again, getting pinched again, certainly. Um, some of those, we, we don't know all the reasons. I mean, I gave quite a list for for being under a disability, but um, what we were saw was that a surprising number of those people um, were arrested for concealed carry while under a disability, but they had their disability charge dismissed. Nearly a quarter, it was 22% of the people that were charged with having a firearm while under a disability, they just threw it out. They didn't convict them of it. Um, and so, again, we say we, we tell but the media tells us anti-gun petitions, uh, politicians tell us all we got to do is pass one more law. and We're going to stop all these crimes. But every time you dig into the statistics, you find out that they're not using the laws that we already have. If, if they want, you know, when you're throwing out a quarter of these cases, you're just throwing them out and saying, hey, yeah, they were carrying while under disability, um, but never mind. We won't charge them with that or we won't convict them of that. one, We won't prosecute for that one. We'll just, you know, you see that over and over and over again. There's just many examples of that. And you certainly see it here where um, they have the tools already to take care of these things. Um, And they're not using the tools they have, but they're always coming for one more supposed tool that's going to fix everything. And we all know it's not going to change the criminal's mind. All it's going to do is prohibit honest law-abiding people who are, who are trying to follow the law. That's what those laws always wind up catching.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. The unintended consequences, what makes it harder, um, more tricky to own a gun, to exercise your rights um, you know, basically making law abiding citizens, criminals o- overnight. And then the criminals that we really do want to be locked up because they are a danger to society and such. They don't end up getting the book thrown at them like they should because they uh, horse trade, you know, plead down all their uh, charges. So instead of looking at 10 years, they're looking at, you know, 10 months in jail or something something like that. And then they'll get out on early parole. It's um, it's a very difficult situations at least
1: yeah it's it's exasperating and i know you know if you talk to prosecutors i just talked to one this week and they were just explaining how there's always the threat there's eight people on that jury and if it goes to jury trial there's there's always the the chance that one person in that eight uh, doesn't agree and that throws the whole thing out so they would rather plead whenever possible but I, it was just a stark how many of these um, these cases were throwing away that weapons under a disability charge. It just, you know, the people who are, people are, are either, they're gonna, if, they're, if they don't care about the law, they're gonna violate the law. I don't care how many. Right now there's a, a bill, um, House Bill 383 is aimed at um, increasing the penalty For possession of a firearm what we're talking about right now while under a disability okay (laughs) so there's a bill that they want to make it right now it's a a felony three um they they tell us they want to make it a felony two if there's violence involved in this okay um i'm I'm pretty darn sure that the people who are in the process of committing um a violent crime with the firearm aren't going to go oh well gee it's uh it's a felony three felony two now, instead of a felony three, maybe I had not to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, I don't follow the logic. Um, I know that they'll be able to put them away for a little bit longer. Perhaps that's the idea, but uh, so many of these laws, um, are, they just have more unintended consequences, like you said, and they don't, um, impact the one group of people that they're trying to control. And it's a very small group. Um, you know, you hear even Ohio Governor DeWine has talked about the fact that um, it's a it's a relative handful of criminals in our state who will contribute to the vast majority of the, the crime statistics in our state.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. That is uh, one of one of those that many politicians overlook as they come up. With the broad laws, again, impacting the honest Law, uh, law-abiding citizens and it does very very little to stop the small percentage of criminals that actually are the ones that committed a crime doing the damage you know doing doing those types of activities
1: yes indeed yeah and that's why i'm just i'm just again going back to permitless carry and who it's helping to it does my heart a lot of joy Any, anytime i see somebody who's able to protect themselves. Um, under the concealed carry law, for example, it always, um, you know, my wife would even tell me sometimes, you you help with, you know, you help with making that happen. That does my heart a lot of joy. But man, it does my heart a lot of joy to hear that there will be hundreds of people that aren't aren't punished for simply trying to exercise their constitutional rights that every American has. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. unfortunately, some have had a lot harder time being able to enjoy. Um, and if uh, this law is going to help shave off a piece of that and i'm really thankful for it and excited about
0: it yeah it it helps them you know hopefully uh, these lower income minorities uh will be able to exercise their rights like every american should be able to and then also at the same time instead of them getting caught up into the criminal justice system which uh isn't going to help them it, mm-hmm. al- it allow them to go along and become a productive member of society and hold down a job and advance and raise a family, do all those things that every other red blood American wants to do too.
1: That's right. I mean, we went, we talked about felonies earlier. You, felon, a, a felony situation creates a cycle. It, it perpetuates a cycle of poverty. It's harder, hard, much harder to get a job when you've got a felony on your record. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's violent or nonviolent. Um, that's the one thing about making, we want to make everything a felony these days. Um, we are perpetuating some of the problems that we have by making it harder for people than to go get gainful employment and, and uh, be a part of society. So, there is again, unattended consequence there that we need to think about. So, this one is, is off the books. You, um, if, uh, if you're not prohibited from you know, possessing a firearm, if you're not under a disability, you can carry it, you can't carry it concealed in the state of Ohio. Um, You're not going to get charged with a felony for doing so, and that's a big
0: win. And that's and that's great. And as uh, we were talking in the the, uh, pre-show, is I also go along and recommend people to know and understand the law because if they leave the state of Ohio, laws are different in other states. And even if they do practice permitless carry within the state of Ohio, you still have to know where you can and where you cannot carry uh, for it. Because again, you walk into the police station with your gun strapped to your hip you know constitutional carry wise well that's illegal and there again you'll end up uh getting in trouble and that's where education is is no matter if you got a permit or not, education is still one of the most critical things to do because not only will it keep you safe along those lines, it'll also give you the right mindset so that you can avoid the danger in the first place and not have not be in a situation that you, that you feel threatened that you might have to defend yourself because that's a whole other rabbit hole that we've uh, we've gone down with lawyers before in the past.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad. I know many of your listeners are instructors. I'm really glad you're encouraging them to keep uh, up on on the laws because the laws do change. Um, I'm glad you're encouraging them to reach out to their students and make sure that their former students are are getting continuing education, um, especially on the legal side. Um, we always encourage students, you know, you got to go out and keep shooting muscle memory, you know, you start to forget things and you need to you get out of practice. Um, we're probably not as good at letting people know you need to, you need to stay up on uh, the legal side of things to stay, to stay out of trouble. So I'm really glad that you highlight that on your show. And it's, it's really important for instructors to do that. Mm-hmm.
0: And your legal, your medical, your, um, you know, mindset, and it's really important to make sure you know how your gun operates, but at the end of the day, mindset will probably get you out of more problems than a gun will.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. So.
0: Well, Chad, we've been asking all our guests this year to go along and recommend a annual event that, Uh, instructors should check out um you know they might be national event or regional events but do you have any events that you'd like to recommend uh to our listeners to check out
1: yeah two that come to mind come to mind with Buckeye Firearms Association we have what we call the Buckeye Blast that happens in the springtime I believe it's in April uh and I wish I, I should have looked up the date here for you um but that is an event that happens at Tactical Defense Institute. There are good friends there in Southern Ohio, kind of South Central Ohio, um, where people get a it's a it's a fundraiser, but also gives people a great taste for all the great facilities and training that you can get out at TDI. Um, and so that's something that we've been doing oh close to close to 20 years now. Um, and then we also have a Buckeye Bash once a year. And that is more of what you'd be familiar with from like the Friends of the NRA type event where there's silent auctions and live auctions and um, speakers and, and things like that. So um, those are two things that I would point out. Yeah, you can stay up on those events. Uh, our website is BuckeyeFirearms.org. There's an email list you can get on there. And then you'll always you'll do, get a once a week newsletter and you'll just be able to keep updated on um, events that are happening, including those two that I just mentioned. So that's, those are a couple of things.
0: Yeah. I just looked up, uh, the Buckeye blast for 2023 is March 26th. So it's awesome. uh, a little bit earlier. I could not find the date for the Buckeye, uh, bash, but I've, Bash uh, might,
1: bash might not have been hit yet, but thank you. So yeah, I knew it's usually early. It's, it's yeah. That early April, we have to watch out for, for John Benner's schedule out there. Um, for classes at TDI. So um, it's usually, yeah, that early spring timeframe. Sometimes you get a cold one and sometimes you get a really nice one there in Southern Ohio in in early April, late March, early April. So, um, but it's always a great time and um, we would love to invite people out to that.
0: Mm -hmm. Those are two uh, worthwhile events. If you're in the Ohio region, Indiana, Kentucky, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, That that wouldn't be more than a couple hour drive for most people. So that's uh, yep. that would be good. But Chad, where can people find out about you and uh Buckeye Firearms?
1: Yeah, so um Buckeyefirearms.org again is our website. Um, and we've got daily content on there as well as just a 20, 20 years of history of um things that have happened with our laws. It's really easy to go back and see when did laws change and how did they change. Um, there's, there's all kinds of just, it's basically a a huge diary of the fight to restore our constitutional rights in the state of Ohio over the last 20 years. Um, like I said, I personally trained, um, under the name Northwest self-defense. My partner and I are taking a little time off from classes right now though, but we can also help refer you uh, to an instructor in our area if, um, if you're up in our area. And I know there's a lot of good instructors around, but. We've been giving some referrals while we're taking a break here to, to help, um, make sure people get the training that they need.
0: That sounds good. Well, Chad, we definitely appreciate your insight into the people that unfortunately get caught, uh, with concealed firearms, uh, you know, when, when there's not constitutional carry, permitless carry available to them. And it's uh, quite eye-opener to think that, you know, it's more minorities than anybody else that are the ones that end up getting caught. And then the economic spiral to get into about having a felony, having to take off work, losing, potentially losing a job, trying to find a new job when you have a felony on, on your record, all those types of things. Been uh, very educational and appreciate your time.
1: Well, I appreciate you giving me the chance to share that. It was. Yeah, it was eye-opening to me as well, and we're uh, we glad that we can get that information and word out there. Thankful for everybody who tried so hard. I know we had, you know, thousands of letter writers and phone calls and everything else to try to get that law passed, and everybody does their part in, in this um, fight to maintain our rights, to improve our rights, and so I'm thankful to everyone as well for the part you play every day.
0: Mm-hmm. And just a uh, point in time, here we are in November, 2022. Uh, so from June, 2022, to November, 2022, have not heard of any situations in the news, which I'm sure they would have been uh, of any constitutional carrier that has uh, done something wrong. You know, there's been pl- plenty of uh, burglaries, robberies, murders. But so far, there's been nothing reported uh, about somebody who's exercising the constitutional rights to be able to go along and uh, and uh, doing anything wrong legally. So that just, again, reaffirms what you've already found about most yeah. people are just trying to protect themselves and trying to live a, a good, normal life for themselves and their family.
1: Yeah, and and you and I aren't surprised by that. I mean, we've seen – it's not like Ohio was trying to get that law passed first. I mean, there's been – I would understand some trepidation over being the very first one, right? There's always there's always the what ifs. But when you get to where, oh, half the states already have passed this law, or or something like that. It just gets to the point where you wonder why do they keep trying to make the same claims about um, the, this law when we know the we know the answer to the what if because we can look at other states and now mm-hmm. in Ohio we can look at you know going on six months of our own of our own data and no we're not surprised. Um, but we, yeah, we have, we have people who are simply wanting to do what the founders intended for us to be able to do, which is to protect ourselves and our families. And, um, I'm glad that each day we're making it a little bit better for them.
0: Little by little. Appreciate what everybody yeah. does at Buckeye Farm, sir Chad.
1: Yep. Hey man, thank you. And you too. Like I said, I appreciate you and thanks for helping get the word out.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode. And I hope our discussion opened your eyes about who constitutional carry really helps and you'll share it with your friends. And I have a couple requests for you. Do you have a topic you'd like me to talk about? Let me know. Know somebody I can interview? Let me know. Have a topic that you would like me to call about? Let me know. Email your suggestions at ftp at concealed carry.com. You can also leave us comments on our Facebook page or on our website at Firearm Trainers Podcast. I also want to ask you to leave us a review on Google Play or iTunes or wherever you listen to us at. The ratings really help us know how much you like us and other people too. Remember to visit our sponsors, especially the Farm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Establishing your business was your first step. Your next step should be getting FTA coverage. And remember to use Promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. We bring you this podcast support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone.